and welcome to episode 91 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today is... <laughs> Stephen the Frog, apparently. That was kind of a frogish sound. I was, I was thinking of a nickname for you and just nothing. I was, actually, I was just trying to interrupt you so you'd have to re-record the intro, but I'm that actually works it. pretty well. I'm not doing it. Uh, Stephen, hey, introduce Stephen. yourself. Okay. Stephen Meyerink. Tailless on the boards because everybody's waiting for it. Yep, we all are waiting for it. Uh, we also have with us, by popular demand, John Proofreading Tucker. Hey, everybody. Tucker here. Tucker he, on the boards. He, the sexiest voice in the continental United seriously. States. And beyond. His voice is like the brown noise. Like, I, I'm just... <laughs> it's probably the sexiest voice thing. in Hawaii. <laughs> I don't know about Alaska, because they're pretty rugged up there. I want to fall are. asleep to it. Can we change that? Sugar's like, I'll, I'll, like to go I'll, uh, I'll find a bunch of old uh, uh, episodes of that painting show. Oh yeah, Bob and uh, and I'll yeah, I'll just I'll just re-record all of Bob Ross's dialogue. And we're gonna draw a happy little cloud. Nice little bush right there. I love how we all go for the same joke like that. <laughs> Phenomenal. Uh, we also have I, I you know I was really working on nicknames today and I just failed miserably. So Derek, introduce yourself. Wow, I'm I'm just Derek, and I'm Derek. Introduce yourself, Hemsbergen, and bring on the boards. And I have a Shulk amiibo, and he's on my desk, and I'm looking at him. And Steven just got really angry. That's I feel like Derek. you said that just so I'd want to murder you. <laughs> Ouch. He's pretty cool. Steven is like sending me Steam messages today, just over and over again. Like, like how does Derek have an amigo? How no, does he have- what I don't understand is how GameStop is like. Yeah, we have it in stock, and you call. Yeah, well, we have it in stock, but we can't sell it to you. Like, don't yeah. report it as in stock if it's not really in stock. Well, I, I mean, I pre-ordered it back in, I think, November or something. So yeah. I think they just wanted to mess with you. They were like, probably. Let's, let's troll this guy. We got it. Yeah. Hey, that's somebody else. Somebody. Uh, that is? That's a new voice, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. That is uh, Jeremy Kakchwar Harnagy. Uh, it's Harnage, sir. <laughs> He's not from the upper Harnage. East Coast. I'm not, I'm not from Connecticut. <laughs> Connecticut? Yeah. yeah. Somebody... <laughs> I'm Jeremy Harnage, I'm Jeremy D on the boards. I don't usually post a lot, but mostly news and soon a review. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody was saying uh, on like a late night program, somebody said chasm, and I just wanted to reach across the TV and punch them in the throat. <laughs> I'm like, you don't say chaos, you... We don't have that feature right. yet. I feel like we really need it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Skype could get on that. It's like, be awesome. I had a friend yeah, like... when I was a kid who pronounced it ovary battle. And he used to piss me off so much because I'd be like, "It's ogre," and he'd be like, "No, it's it's ogre, it's ogre." And I was like, "It's like, like my best friend growing up who loved to play the Legend of Zelda, the Orcana of Time, <laughs> and Fantasy Star IV, just right in your veins." Yeah, uh, uh, Metal Gear Solid Ghost Babel. Uh, <laughs> Deuce X. Anybody else Deuce play? Oh, yeah, that was yeah. Yeah. The, the the main villain of Xenogears, Deuce. Yep. <laughs> He's gonna you gotta drop, drop him. Drop him, man. Yeah. Dungeons and Dragons was hard to play as a kid because everyone was like, uh, "We need you to do um, uh, melee damage," and I was like, "You mean melee?" Oh, Super like, Smash Brothers melee. Yeah, melee. That's actually the only reason I know how to pronounce that word because the melee. <laughs> they got it right. They got it right. And yeah, they scream it at your face in the game, and people still call it melee. It's it's not good enough. It's not good enough. Uh, okay, so we got lots and lots and lots of games to talk about. So. I think we should uh, jump right in. Uh, who's got a game to talk about? Somebody, somebody, get in there. John Tucker does. Yeah, yeah. I've been uh, been busy lately. 
played a couple of games and uh, and and put reviews out pretty uh, pretty recently. Um, I played uh, Citizens of Earth, uh, Neil, uh, and we or uh, who else? Uh, mm-hmm. Luna Lee. Yes. Yeah. Uh, also played that one, uh, and you know it, it was okay. Um, I think you know the Luna played the PC version and it crashed the most. Um, Neil it's played the, a good thing to start with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Neil played the 3DS version and I think it maybe crashed the least. Um, but uh, I played the Vita version and it it didn't crash very much. Um, and I think <laughs> that it has not the, a very glowing <laughs> endorsement. It this is not the bad. This is not the most. Uh, Positive no. outlook I am getting on this game. Yeah, it I, ran more than it crashed. Come on. <laughs> it it the best operates as intended. I I think it's one of those games that you know you can see. I mean, for for anybody who who doesn't know kind of the history of Citizens of Earth, it was a, a Kickstarter game. Uh, the Kickstarter actually didn't get funded, um, but then um, Atlas uh, came in and said, "Hey, you know what? This is a game that we like, and we want to make this. We want to help you make it." Um, so it still came out, which is, you know, a pretty cool success story. Um, and I think that even in the final game, you know, crashes and all, you can definitely see like what made Atlas want to, you know, make this game happen. Um, it's creative and it's, it's interesting and it's different and, you know, it's, it's got lots of quirky humor and, you know, people and people love games that have quirky humor. We're still talking about Earthbound however many years later and it definitely, you know, it definitely draws on that in, influence, um, but it's just you know, I, I, it technically it. Yeah, and I and I'm sure you're going into more detail on the game, but I actually just read that uh, Atlas is bringing a demo out to all the consoles on February 17th. So probably about the time this episode is released, um, you guys will be able to download it and try it out if you haven't already. And I think that's probably the route that I'll go because it looks cool, yeah. but I can't quite commit to buying it. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that it's buggy, but I feel like the concept is worth a look. So, Yeah. I, I, I think just, you know, the, it's fun to go around and try. There's, there's 40 different people who you can recruit onto your team uh, by the, you know, the, the very end of the game. And of course, like any game where you have a ton of people, some of them you're just not really going to use much. Um, I mean, does, does the game have a voodoo doll, an alien? Dan, and, and... I love Dan. He's so lucky. A giant walking fungus? Yes, a giant walking fungus. My boy dragon puppy. There's there's some pretty creative stuff that I really don't want to like talk about too much because of, of spoilers, but uh, I think pretty early on in the game you get uh, like robotic baristas with coffee pitchers for hands. And <laughs> you know, stuff like, like one that. One of our newsies, David Brown. He's a barista. So, um, so there's definitely, you know, creative stuff, and and all throughout uh, the enemies, I, I do like they avoided the palette swap thing that so many games do. Oh, that's good. Um, all the enemies are, are different in, in each area that you go to. Um, there's uh, some in a pretty early area called uh, telephones. They're deer with like a uh, uh, an old style phone headset hanging on their antlers. Mm. Yeah, um, I expected just, Steven to really react oh, to that. Right? <laughs> he loves puns. puns yeah, tele, right? tele like F A W N, right? Yes, telephone with F A W. Actually, I think they spelled it F A U N, but um, uh, oh yeah, yeah, F A U N. Yeah, because that's the the deer spelling. But uh, oh, yeah. in any case, you know, so they, they do a lot of clever stuff, and uh, 
the people who you can have on your team are are really diverse, both uh, in their abilities and in like their appearance and stuff. It's not just like a team full of white guys. Um, you do you have you know like the girl in a wheelchair. Uh, there's a crazy scientist lady who's a, a black lady with like Bride of Frankenstein hair who I loved once I got her on my team. She pretty much stayed uh, in my active party all the time. Um, and so there's a there's a, a pretty big variety of folks and, and you're going to find wherever you go in the game some team that works better than, you know, any other group of folks. So there's a lot to there's a lot of good stuff about the game it's just that the bad things like the crashes are are kind of frustrating to deal with and if you were especially if you were on the PC version it you know it could get to the point where you'd be like you know what screw it I'm just done with this thing yeah. I can be I'm pretty unaccepting of glitchiness and bugginess in my games like polish is one of the things that I value the most highly so that's why that's one of the reasons why I'm not as able to get into like Bethesda games, with the exception of Fallout, um, is just because every time I encounter a glitch, like like every now and then you'll encounter one that's kind of funny, like your horse will go rocketing into the sky, and you're like, all right, that's yeah. that's unexpected. But for the most part, like I, I encountered this with Dragon Age Inquisition because I I played a ton of it and I didn't even think I got near the end, but it got to a point where I kept crashing. Like there's the part where you get to Skyhold and. Yep. That that cutscene froze on me twice, and yep. I was just like, "Are you kidding me?" I, and both <laughs> times, I had you know, I I tried making different decisions, or I watched the whole thing, and I was just like, "Can we, can we please not?" Like it, it sucks all of my motivation to play away because I don't, you know, that's there's no point or there's nothing to be gained from replaying the same section just because you lost your data. I I, I full on flipped out. I, I hit the same glitch you did, Derek, on Dragon Age, and I think the stream of curses that I sent to Steven must have been the loudest typing I've ever done in my life because you couldn't skip the cutscene. Right, so and it's really if we're running into the same glitch at the same point, like there's something wrong with that part of the game. Right, and then the actually I just beat Dragon Age Inquisition uh, last weekend. Really liked the ending, by the way. Really, really liked the ending. I'm leaving it at that. Um, and I hit a glitch on the second-to-last battle twice where Ooh. the game just dropped, and I... I actually gave consideration to not beating it. I was like, okay, I just wasted an hour. All right. I had somebody post, a, somebody in my Twitter timeline posted like a, a vine of them stuck in the final boss battle with the final boss dead and them just kind of like walking around in, in circles because it wasn't doing anything. Like the game wouldn't register the death of the boss. Yeah, and I, I don't want it to sound like we're, we're being hard on Dragon Age there. I don't think it has that many glitches, but it sounds like, you know, no. Citizens of Earth being a, a small it's development team kind of across many platforms which is both a good thing but y you got problems that can be associated there and Derek mm -hmm. brought up the the Bethesda RPG thing I mean Fallout 3 never played well on PlayStation 3 mm -hmm. like that game was a mess when it came out uh you know right down to it, the game would freeze whenever someone on your friends list signed in like what the hell it had, it had trouble on all platforms I believe yeah it was rough see it was like all right I'll reinstall for like a fourth time yeah so Citizens of Earth was kind of kind of interesting. Would would you like to see them kind of move forward with it, uh, John, or is it kind of enough? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that if they had another chance, follow it up with you know something else, and you know learn from the experience that the that this game brought to them, I think 
you know, they, they've got a good, you know, like I say, it's fun, it's creative. It's just the, the technical issues, I think, really kind of dragged it down. Um, and and I, I should mention the one other thing with that, that that really makes that crashing annoying is that there's a lot of enemies in some areas. And anytime mm-hmm. the game crashes, when you when you start back up, you start up at like the entrance to the area that you were in with all the enemies respawned. Mm-hmm. So all those people that you spent maybe a, a good while killing off, you're going to have to do it over again. So, but didn't you they, say that you, you can't access maps and doors either? That was a big thing, right? In in certain places, that was really annoying um, because there are a few places, there are a few places indoors that are mazes, and you know if you could just really have have seen a little more of, of what you were dealing with, it would have been better. But you know, it is. It, th- that wasn't like too horrible. It's just the times that it was annoying. It was really annoying. Hmm. Cool. So cool. Yeah. Um, so I played that. I uh, got that out of the way, and then I moved on to another fantastic game. I played <laughs> Criminal Girls Invite Only on the Vita. Oh, oh, man, fantastic! Yeah. Oh. I, I detect strange amount of uh, sarcasm in your use of yeah. fantasy. Oh dear God! Yeah, it's it's an. Uh, it's a game. Start, yeah. <laughs> hey, that's I like it. That's that's a John style can, argument. Can I yeah. can I can I really just really briefly interrupt? Something yeah. weird has happened to Steam in the past like two three months. The number of hentai dating sims on Steam is approaching like a saturation point, which. I don't know how I feel about that. Like I, I don't know that they're all hentai, but yeah, there are certainly a lot more, and I you know that's great. The thing is, the way Steam curates now, like, based on what you've clicked on and what you own, like, it's not like before where stuff would just be featured. It's like, if you click on How to Full Boyfriend once, all you get is, like, low-budget yeah. low budget visual novels that are, like, terrible, trope-filled garbage. So why is Rob getting those recommendations? Because I, I, I clicked <laughs> on one kind of like, what the hell is this? Oh, oh, God. Like, and again, I'm not being a prude. Like, there's space for those kinds of games. If you want to play those, those are fine. But I, I think Steam needs to work a little bit on the curation thing there, like like there, uh, like uh, Steven's mentioning, because now that's like, I, I'm not getting pop-ups anymore for, like, Warhammer Space Marine. I'm getting pop-ups for, like, uh, do you want to date the girl? Like, oh, okay. Well, do you? Yeah, do you? How many hours did you put into Hats of Full Boyfriend? Not enough. <laughs> Five. <laughs> I, need to, I need to verify some Steam achievements right now. Uh, uh, no, no. Uh, I'm on Steam right now. Uh, Hold on. Let's, let's take a let's look check. here. Let's see oh. what it looks like. Right, it's going to be a lot of Resident Evil, guys. All right. All right. All right. John, tell so, us more about Criminal Girls. So I think, you know, so it, for anybody who doesn't know Criminal Girls, a uh, remake of a or an update of a PSP game. Uh, don't think the PSP game ever came out in uh english just in japan um but you play a character who's just some random guy who was taken in his sleep to this area of hell where there are some people some girls who were bad enough to get into hell but not really you know they're like on the gray area uh they just barely were bad enough to make it into hell and so there's this legit this this reformation program to try and get them that's very redeem their sins and, and and make it on you know to uh, another try in in life 
And so there, there's two ways that you do this uh, redeeming. One is, is from them going around in these dungeons, making their way up a tower to um, uh, fight other uh, denizens of hell. Um, plenty of palette swapping in that game. Um, and uh, the other is uh, what... I think the original called punishment sessions. This uh, one calls them motivation sessions. Now we're talking. Yeah. I know we're, um, adult. Yeah. You have like in these sessions, there are little mini games that use the front and the back touch panels. Uh, uh, they're the only part. Are you, are you just, literally spanking your machine right now? That's what I want to know. Um, no. So like the first one, the first mini game is a little like a spanking kind of thing with a, a oh. like a writing crop. And you just, you just hold your you hold your finger on the screen on the certain like a, a dot a little icon will pop up and if it's pink then you you touch the front screen in that spot if it's blue then you touch the back screen in that spot and um, there'll be a picture of whichever girl you're quote unquote motivating on the screen with like thanks thanks to the sensors pink fog uh, over her and as you clear out the uh, little icons, the pink fog sort of dissipates. Um, and you can't each, hear me grumbling, but I am. Yeah. Each of the, each of the mini games has like four levels to it. And as you clear the levels, the picture of the, the fog becomes kind of less to start with. And the girl becomes more undressed. Um, but there's not any actual nudity, uh, in it. So it sounds a little bit like conception actually. Yeah. So then, what the hell's the, the uh, Sailor Moon silhouettes? So, so like, what the hell's the point then? Like, honestly, I mean, if I mean, that's that's really what I said in my review as well. If you want to see sexy cartoons, the internet is your oyster. Yeah, <laughs> I was having a discussion on Twitter. Good choice of words, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was I was having a discussion on Twitter where I was sort of like I've been playing Xenoblade as I mentioned last time, and like I'm near the end, and that game is fantastic, Derek. You're right. Um, and I totally get why we always, we always want it on the music show and everything, because everything about that game is amazing. I've been saying it's good, too. Come on, now. <laughs> you hate JRPGs. <laughs> Just like that's, Kyle. That's yeah. cool. but, well, I was saying that when I play Xenoblade, I'm, it makes me even more aware of why I have a serious problem with games like Conception and with Criminal Girls, because it's like... I'm not saying these games shouldn't exist. I'm not judging you if you enjoy these kinds of games, but those kinds of games are just like, like, what is the point? Like it's a mediocre gameplay system with titillating pictures. Why don't you cut out the mediocre gameplay, save some hours of your life and just watch porn on the internet? Yep. I like, kind of agree. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, there's, like, there's not enough time in the day to play crappy games. <laughs> Like, there legitimately are, I mean, there are some, there are erotic games that can be interesting because of narrative or whatever. Like, it's possible. It's just that when you have a game that's crappy in the first place and the only thing about it that would make it remotely interesting is the erotic content, then there's no, there's no point. Like, exactly. Because you can do both of those things better elsewhere. Well, yeah, it's purely aesthetics. It's like playing, uh, it's like, you know, I'll bring in an example, a first Assassin's Creed. First Assassin's Creed is a great concept, but you can get better stealth gameplay elsewhere. You can get better assassination gameplay elsewhere you can get better open world gameplay elsewhere so why play that one well i i think it brings up another point which is kind of the weirdness of 
the sexual titillation being the end goal and how you go about getting there, like, kind of bear with me here a little bit. If you had a dating game that kind of had, like, the Persona-style dating sim part and then a bunch of, you know, dungeons, let's let's just say it was a Persona-style game, okay? Except that you, you could have a sexual encounter with the character and, you know, we have titillating photographs, yada, yada, yada. Would that be enough to kind of do what Derek's talking about of, like, having fun gameplay systems and then the titillation as a part? Or are people only playing these games for the titillation, in which case, like Steven's saying, just go out and watch porn? Like, yeah, you know like what I mean? on the internet for free without any, like, annoying gameplay in between. It, it has to be worked in organically because I think that in, in a game like Dragon Age Inquisition, it works pretty well because you have quests where you exactly. have relationships with people. And at the culmination, and not necessarily the climax, like, but the, the relationships that those people develop, I know, right? They develop, and like, like Iron Bull, for example, because you know he's the one I romanced. Um, you, you have, like, you have an encounter with him before his storyline is finished, because that's not, that's not the height of intimacy. Not the finish line, right? right. And, and I think that's incredibly <laughs> realistic. No, I agree completely. I, I think that's. I think that's a great example. The relationship doesn't automatically, like, it doesn't reach peak the moment you become physically intimate. Like, there's more to a relationship than that. And, well, I mean, some relationship, you know, there's more than more to a romance than that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think that 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 makes it believable and and worthwhile. Like, it's it's integrated well. But when it's just, like, like, reach social link 10, because in Persona, they, I think the relationships are built very well, but they do kind of abruptly stop at 10. And you do have the implied encounter with some of the characters, like with the girl characters, and uh, you spent a few hours with Chia, yeah. right? And uh, so that happens, but like, I think that that that, but that's not the point. Like, you're not pursuing the relationship with that character specifically for that moment. Like, that just kind of happens uh, incidentally, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, and I think also Dragon Age is a good example because again, it's not like you can't have sex in games or titillation because like certainly that's what Dragon Age has. But it needs to be well done. Like, anything is crappy if you execute it poorly. And, you know, not to tease nothing but JRPGs. Like, look at Indigo Prophecy. That game has an absolute oh <laughs> abysmal sex scene. That is the worst sex scene ever. Breaks immersion. It's weird if you think about it because your character's technically dead. Like, just all kinds of stuff about it that is badly done. And so it's not like I am in particular picking on crappy JRPGs with sex stuff, although... Usually when I talk about crappy RPGs with crappy sex stuff, I'm thinking of those games. But, you know, it's 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 crappy everywhere. So, like, if you're going to, like Derek said, if you're going to have it, execute well on it. Don't just, like, hey, look, this is basically a Flash game where you rub a girl and then stuff gets exposed. Yeah. That, the well, I also, like, I think there's something to be said for games that give the characters that you're romancing an option to kind of shoot you down, like yeah. Dragon Age. Because a lot of games, like, I, I obviously haven't played Criminal Girls, but I imagine they don't really have a choice. No, and in and, fact, when you when you have those little sessions with them, they yeah. they make it clear ahead of time that they're not happy about this. Oh, God. Oh, that's gross. Yeah. That's, 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 like, that's weird, okay. creepy male power fantasy stuff there yeah. that is just it's, sort of... Yeah. Yeah. Well, something, something that, like, I think makes Dragon Age a lot deeper than, you know, I'm playing Persona 4 right now. So Persona 4, you know... When you want to raise your social link, they don't really say no. It's just kind of like, all right, well, you spent time with Chie. Like, you feel your bond grows stronger. Uh-huh. But in Dragon Age, it's like, all right, well, 
am I going to make the right decision? Do they appreciate what I'm doing? I feel like it adds like an extra level of depth. It just makes it that much more satisfying. Yeah, like with Sarah. Like you, if you're a guy and you flirt with Sarah, she's like, uh, how about no? Yeah, she's <laughs> like, I don't swing that way. And I was like, huh, okay. And uh, what's his name? Um, not not Anders. Uh, Cullen does the same thing if you're a man and you try to flirt with him. He's like, uh, we can be friends. Yeah. <laughs> And that, but like, it's well delivered. Like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a moment that like builds character. It's not just like a tongue-in-cheek joke or something that's pure sex. I, I actually like how Mass Effect Two handled it, where if you had sex with Jack right away, didn't that like close you down from ever? Yeah, other people would shoot you down. Yeah, but it, but it also it closed you down from ever being close with her, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Like that was kind of an interesting. Like this character is very damaged. If you kind of took advantage of them in a way and their vulnerable state you were it's kind of like when you have when you have sex with somebody you know right away when you first meet them like it ain't gonna be the same afterward guys like there's gonna be some kind of tension there i mean that's just the nature of intimacy like once you reach that threshold it does change things you know so i don't know criminal girls i I, i'm i kind of see it from both ends i really wish that if these games, it's kind of like the the Dragon's Crown thing that we had before. It's fine if you want to titillate, but for the love of God, just do it. Anybody remember the guy game where like you had to answer? Oh the, God! You had, yeah. you had to answer thirty questions about whether or not hot girls would answer questions correctly just to see boobs. And I'm like, okay, what's what? like? Yeah. You're not even answering questions correctly. You're guessing whether or not the girls will answer questions correctly. You had to get like thirty in a row to see five seconds of boob. I mean, at least in BMX Triple X, you can do sweet flips and stuff. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. God. That's, a weird that's one of my favorite Penny Arcade comics. How do we design this game? What would you like to see a game? Ride a bike around. What else? Look at some boobs. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's it. Nailed it. So Criminal Girls, yeah. it's kind of like... Okay, John, do you feel dirty? Yeah. Do you need a shower? Dude, I kind of need a shower after that. Sounds One of the girls after the little sessions would, would say to you, you damn pervert. And I was like, oh, I, I feel like one. Jeez. Like that's, that's actual rape. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. And then uh, it, that part aside, so let's pretend like they didn't have that part. They had like just a battle system or whatever. The battle system is, is weird. And I give them some points for doing something unusual, but it doesn't really work. Um, yeah. You the, the 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 motivation game is to unlock additional skills and attacks for the characters, but then in battle, you have uh, four active characters at any time. You can switch one out each turn for free, um, and in each turn, you don't get to pick from like the list of all the commands that anybody has unlocked in your active party. It's just each of the four girls will suggest an attack that she knows or a command that she knows. And you pick which of those four things you want to do that turn. And you That's all the choice that you get. Um, so as you move through the game and you unlock more and more commands, it can be kind of frustrating when, you know, you've got the, the, the enemy is pretty close to dead, but you know, everybody's suggesting something that's not going to kill them. Sounds uh, kind of like the first version of The Last Remnant. Okay. Where it's like, I know you have the ability to kill this enemy, but you're not doing it. Yeah. Uh. So, um, it, it does have... It, there are some things that the AI is programmed really well for 
Like if there's a, uh, I mentioned in my review, if there's a boss fight, the bosses, like their, their killer moves always have a charge to them. So it'll say in one turn, like the boss is charging up. And then when it's your, when it's your turn next, one of the characters really early on learns a skill that makes everybody defend. And she'll always suggest that skill when a boss is charging up every single time. So there's some, there's some things like that where they at least programmed some good situational awareness into the game, but still I, I would just much rather pick exactly which move I want to make. Yeah. So, it sounds like it's just arbitrary. Just give me control. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it is kind of, so it's not really, so it's not a good sexy game. It's not really a good game game. <laughs> it's just not good. Well, Speaking of ex- of uh, abusive relationships, uh, Stephen. Uh, so you guys are finally getting a divorce? No, I have a bone. No. I have a bone to pick with over. Stephen. No, no, no. I have a bone to pick with Stephen. Here we go. Okay, Stephen, you got my entire party in Darkest Dungeon killed when you went insane, turned abusive, and started yelling at everybody. And you I- know what's really funny is the exact same thing happened to Pale Robert, my plague doctor. <laughs> and he started just yelling at everybody. And they were like, please, just be nice. <laughs> like, I try to heal him. And he's like, I don't need your help. Get out of here. And then they all died. Well, no, just he died because I let him die because he was a problem. But Did you get to the swine prince? Because that guy wrecked my life. <laughs> uh, I did, but. Of course you beat him. Of course you did. I hate you. Okay, moving on. Uh, I hate you. Uh, so Steven and I have been playing some uh, Darkest Dungeon, uh, early access title on Steam. We actually had Chris and Tyler uh, on back in the day to talk about it. Um, and then I immediately backed the game on Kickstarter because yep. it's awesome. And well, it looked awesome at the time. It was pure concept then. So this is the kind of gothic, Cthulhu, stress-level insanity-inspired uh, turn-based dungeon crawler. And whoo, boy, is this game a little rabbit hole that's fun to go down. <laughs> Steven, tell me how much you love Darkest Dungeon. Uh, I, I like it a lot, you know, for a how game that's... dark is it? Very. So dark. I actually have taken to calling it Dankest Dungeon, because it's dank. The Dark Souls of Dark Dungeons. Nope. <laughs> it's got but, some Souls quality here and there, too. <laughs> but it, uh... No, like, I, you know, so... <coughs> excuse me. Um, I backed it on Kickstarter, because I liked the concept. It was, like, you know, sort of, like, plumbing the psychological depths of what going into dungeons and murdering puking pigs does to you uh and turns out it makes you go crazy mm-hmm. um but it's not like an eternal it's not like an eternal darkness type insanity where like I'm just gonna ask about that wacky things happen that aren't actually happening it's more like you know your characters will pick up quirks like you know you could be you know unflappable and you don't get scared as easily so there are good quirks but then there are bad ones like if you're obsessive compulsive every time you come to a chest that character's like i gotta open it and they open it up whether or not there's a trap in it you know or you could have a character who's like god fearing so when you want to relieve their stress all they will do is pray and you know that can be problematic for other reasons and you know you could have a character who's a nymphomaniac who won't who can only relieve stress by going to the brothel but going to the brothel can end up getting you an STD, and then you can end up with syphilis, which lowers stats. You know, it's... It's just like real life. <laughs> it's just like real life. But, no, what what's really great about the game is that it has all of these really complex systems in place that, on their own, you might go, oh, that's sort of basic. But then, together, they are creating this really interesting, unpredictable game that is just endlessly entertaining, especially for a game that's almost a year out, I think. 
Uh, you know, it doesn't have the last two areas yet. Uh, there's still plenty of balancing to be done. It definitely has issues, but they're issues that are not with the core mechanics. Um, you know, like, for example, it's got turn-based combat that's really great because, you know, you know, stunning enemies matters, um, you know, taking advantage of weaknesses, that sort of thing, and, you know, the positioning of your party and the enemy party. You know, so, like, for example, you can have a really great attack that hits the whole enemy line, but you can only do it from the second position in your formation. So if you get ambushed and that fighter ends up in the back row or ends up in the wrong position, you've got a few turns of getting that person back into position before they can do anything useful. And, you know, one or two turns in this game can be enough to get you slaughtered. Uh, so it has this really awesome turn-based combat engine, but then it also has all of these other things working into it. So the main crux of the game is the is that every character has a stress meter. And as things happen in the dungeon that would cause stress, you know, for example, you come across you come across like a melted body and your characters look at it and they're like, Ugh. or you know, you read a book of like evil books and your character reads a passage that really unsettles them. Or, you know, a rotted pig enemy pukes on you, you get stressed. Uh, and your characters, when their stress meter maxes out, they're sort of like a, you know, they have like a holy crap moment. And if you're lucky, they'll have like, you know, they'll persevere and they'll get a positive trait. Like, you know, their stress maxes out and they become stalwart. So their stress drops back down. And they're like, no, I have to fight on. Uh, but most of the time what happens is they go honky bananas and it's just like, <laughs> what? Yeah, uh, so. I, I think that's actually like... Um... I'm at a bit of a crossroads with the game where I, I really like it, and it is... I love the stress mechanic. I mean, that you're not just worried about hit points now. You're worried about, like, you know, is my party... They're a bunch of emotional people. They're about ready to snap. Do I yeah, really like, like you push? know, like, you could have a character that's, like, totally stacked and powerful, but if they're high stress and they're, like... You could put them in your party when you're going into mission, and they'll beg you not to send them. They're like, please don't send me. I can't handle this right now. Uh, and so it's like you you really are considering, like, is this person going to snap if I send them in? And so I, I think that that's one thing that I, I can't tell how I feel about this because, like, in my uh, my little anecdote for what Steven's character did is Steven's character picked up abusive, where then he just started hurling insults at every one of my party members, and he was dramatically raising their stress level very quickly. So I ended up, like, after two rooms, I had to abandon the whole mission. And the game's actually really friendly about that. You can abandon at any point, get out of the dungeon, your character... Keep your loot. You'll, you keep your loot, but you take a huge stress hit, so those characters might be out of the fight for a little bit while you try to deal with that. But what I did notice is that when they, when Steven got abusive, he got so nasty with the whole party that their stress level got so high that it, it felt like this downward spiral of like, wow, one thing went wrong, I'm really screwed, I need to get out of here. And that means that you have to have a very large party list of different characters. You're not just going to be using the same four characters over and over again. Yeah, you 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 and I really I think that's actually by design too, yes. like definitely because yes. you can you can raise the number of heroes that you can recruit at any time and you can also raise the number you can have recruited. So like I actually really like that aspect because it's like, you know, you get some character who's just a total rogue element and it's like, well, this this thing is hopeless scotched, we're done. And, you know, it's frustrating when it's happening, but, like, the abusive quirk, for example, as one example, is really interesting because, like, you know, your character will miss an attack and the abusive character, like, wow, what a pathetic shot. We should just send you to the wolves. Wow. <laughs> if you get a critical hit, they'll be like, yeah, I guess that was sort of passable. Right, but I, but I feel like abusive is almost one of the worst 
traits to get, and maybe that's by design, but I've gotten it pretty damn often. They're pretty bad. There's like like fearful is bad because you know yeah. your character will say things that psych the other ones out, and they or might they just don't take actions. They're what just like I've, oh. What I found to be the worst is selfish. So if you get selfish, the characters start sort of talking like really egotistically, like oh I got this, this is fine, and we get the treasure, I'm taking all of it, and you know it psychs people out. But what's worst is you'll try to heal somebody. And that character will jump over and be like, no, I need this. This is clearly more important than I get healed. And so, like, you can't heal anybody because that character is just getting in the way, stealing turns. You know, they'll occasionally ignore you and be like, I got this. And they'll do some really stupid boneheaded attack and it'll, you know, flub and get people killed. So they're definitely debilitating, but I think the game is, like, you know, again, the speed at which you get stress can sometimes vary wildly, so that needs to sort of be tuned a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I hit 50 stress on one, like, item in the dungeon that I could click on, like a trap or something. I hit 50 stress, and it basically, uh, your limit is 100, so I basically had to stop right there. It was like my my tank character hit 50 right away. Um, uh, one thing that I'm actually really glad that they're doing, they're updating this game, like, Almost every day. Sometimes twice a day. Yeah, it's getting huge updates. One of the things that I said to Steven was like, hey, I'm prolonging battles because you can't heal outside of combat. And there was this weird metagame going on where I was like, oh, I'm just keeping one enemy alive and constantly healing and stunning them. Yeah, this doesn't feel right. And then, of course, they put something in that's like, oh, no, if you prolong battles, now your characters get stressed. Well, it's the like, way they described it in the patch was great, though. They said, characters no longer like it if you ne- unnecessarily prolong fights. Yeah. I mean, they, they're doing a really good job. I think balancing is going to be really important with this game. You're never completely boned, which I like. Like, even if your entire party wipes, which it's actually really hard to die in this game, surprisingly. You drop down when you hit zero hit points to Death's Door status. And any hit that hits you after Death's Door has the potential to kill you. But it's sort of like... Uh, like- I, I think tabletop Dungeons and Dragons is like that too, where you get you roll injuries. Yeah. You know, and so you don't want to be at death's door. But it, but it still gives you a chance to kind of. It, it's not like your whole party's going to wipe on one hit. I mean, it could happen, but the the odds are very very low. Yeah, you can never like for example, you can if you have more than point one HP. You cannot be killed by a single attack. Right. And then it it also, um, since you can constantly uh, recruit new characters, it's never like, oh, my entire Uber party died. I'm screwed. No, that just means you got to recruit a bunch of new people that are going to be stressed out. It's just a really cool game. It's got, like, the XCOM management that I really like. Its turn-based combat is so... It actually reminds me of Persona in that it's really punchy and hard-hitting and, like, you know, you could turn the tide of a battle in one turn if you're careful. It's all based around positions, too. So, like, my, my Helion character... Is it Helion or Helion? What would Helion. It it's a Helion. She... M&M song. Little Hellions! Uh, okay. She, of course she's named Jackie, because she's a redhead with, like, a giant axe. Wow, she, of course. She, she is, is the best character in the game, though. Dude, she stuns everything and hits everything. So she's a real frontline fighter. She has, like, two really good attacks for the front two targets on the enemies. But she also has a nice back attack, so she can hit the back Ooh, member yeah. of their party, while the Plague Doctor can stun the back two rows or do damage to the front row. Uh, the Leper is, like, this tank character which is really the, fun the leper is so, so in keeping with like the dark thing because the leper wears a mask obviously yep and the leper has like you know and when they go crazy the leper like yanks their mask off and like gets really scared which freaks the other party members out but there's a the, the, your characters can camp 
and every every class has different camping skills, and the leper has one called Remove Mask, which drops his stress by 50, but raises everybody else's stress by 30. <laughs> so it's sort of like you imagine this creepy moment. There's this really sort of morbid, but also entertaining meta-narrative to the game. Like, you, you really are sort of thinking, like, how they've created this, like... Again, not to reuse the word, but narrative. Like, you know, you, your leper's sitting there at camp, and they're chatting, and he takes off his mask, and everyone gets freaked out, but he's like, oh, God, what a relief. But then there's, like... The, the plot of the game is sort of that your you your family owns this estate where like your family became this just like decadent corrupt just awful group of human beings and so their estate basically gets haunted and so you're going back to basically reclaim the estate and try to like clear out all of the monsters and the haunted stuff and so you're calling adventures but to me there's this cool meta narrative where like you're you're arguing that you know, you're trying to purge this corruption and make up for the sins of what your your family has done, but you're sort of recruiting tons of hapless adventurers and sending them to their death to do it. And in some cases, you even have to do that. Like, you know, it's like, I gotta go and get some money. Well, time to send some disposable heroes in there and grab some loot. Uh, so I really like that it creates these sort of little stories, like, and th there's a narrator, and he's, unlike the transistor narrator, who was good in Bastion, he, like his tone just fits the atmosphere of the game so well. Like, you know, one of your characters get crit, and he'll be like, a, a deadly blow, it's terrible, but perhaps they can soldier on. And, you know, there's the caretaker in town who is, like, the person that's helping you clear out the estate, and, like, he comments on the mental status of the caretaker every time you come back, and he's like, he looks like he's had a pretty rough day, probably because there's monsters in his backyard. <laughs> It, it's just a really uh, the art style is incredible it this is a really special game right now and even I, I think they said they were looking at a summer release so we're talking about maybe six months now from full release might get pushed a little bit we know how these things work this game is very playable right now like it, it just feels good it feels like all the systems are in place like steven's saying you know it's going to take a while to balance things and add things that the actual uh, the titular uh darkest dungeon is not part of the game yet but it's just really different and cool and nasty and gnarly and i just really really like it it i don't i, I actually i mentioned it in my dungeon man's review which was an awesome game it sort of takes my favorite parts of rogue legacy and a lot of my favorite parts of Dungeon Man's. Dungeon Man's being it has this really cool character building component and Rogue Legacy in that it has this like persistence where, you know, you bring stuff back and you can upgrade the your estate and you know, you can get better heroes, you can get better facilities to relieve stress, you can build the church up and that sort of thing. I feel like you just did you just trail off there or <laughs> I just wanted to say that I liked it and then I <laughs> I, I didn't have a further thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah guys and, and Kyle brought it up on the boards a little bit and said like oh this game feels like it's really going to stress me out there is a stress component to it but it's like the same way that playing the Resident Evil remake makes me stressed in this way that I am completely in this game right now and I can't focus on anything else I'm finding I really like that it's almost like a meditation for me like I forget about everything else when I play these really high-stress games. It's probably the reason I like the Souls games so much. It, these games demand your attention, and they're like, you need to pay attention to this stuff. Like, this is life or death here. Do pay you attention. Get a point, though, where, like, like, after, like, an hour in, you're like, all right, that's good. Break time. Because I totally have that. Yeah. I, I do with, like, Dark Souls, but with this game, I don't. Because I would actually say this game is not 
stressful. It's think of it more like a resource management type game. Yeah, yeah. That's the biggest thing is your stress is just another resource. Your money is a resource. So like your characters are getting stressed, but it's not stressful to play because the game is sort of built to allow you to manage that stuff. Whereas Dark Souls is constantly built on, you know, you got to go into this dark hole and you'll probably get killed 40 times. Yeah. This game gives you a lot more leeway to not get murdered. It's it's cool, guys. I mean, I, I would say everybody should give it a shot. We need to find out how to get a hold of that soundtrack, Stephen, because the it music cool, is yeah. amazing. What's that, Derek? Nice. It, I, it sounds cool. Like, uh, the the initial, like, I just, when I looked at the screen, I didn't really think much of it, but um, all the descriptions make it sound really, really interesting. And it's only 20 bucks on early access. Like. Yeah, and, and it's a good Kickstarter success story. You know, we've been talking for the past year about how, oh, there's there's a little bit of the, the kind of eye-rolling whenever somebody does a Kickstarter yes. game now. There were, like, three articles this week about how Peter Molyneux has just not made good on anything. But this is a real success story, I feel, for Kickstarter. Like, this, this is a game that had a, a pretty short development cycle when you think about it. We were talking to these guys last January. And the game is now available to play, you know, and it's hopefully going to have a full release here in the summer. That's pretty damn fast. Like, they they said what they wanted to make, and they did it. Bravo. And, uh, you mentioned the soundtrack. You know that you can get it, right, on Steam? Yes. Yeah. I, know, I know I can get it. I thought it came with my with my beta, and it, it didn't. And I'm like, oh, yeah, now i got to like, buy it. It's like an extra 8 bucks if you buy it with the game, or 10 Yeah. Separate. It, it it's a really cool soundtrack. Like it fits the the dungeon music fits everything. The battle music fits everything. It just oh yeah. The, you know what? I, I make this joke to people, but it's dead serious. I I'm guessing maybe I'm the only one that read it when I was a kid. But it was a just a, a picture book for kids uh, called Mickey Mouse Goes to the Haunted Mansion. And <laughs> I kid you not, the art style in this game reminds me of that book. And maybe that's why I get so warm and fuzzy when I think about the art in this game. But, like, that book had a creepy narrator. It had, you know, Mickey Mouse dealing with the psychological effect of getting attacked by ghosts. So, I don't know. I'm always like, Mickey Mouse Plays Dankest Dungeon is my favorite game of the month. <laughs> I don't know. But I, I definitely, like, if you have sort of any interest in that type of experience, I would really recommend trying it out. It's so polished already. You know, I've, I played it for hours and hours. Like, when I first got it... Oh, man. You know, Three or four days where I sort of didn't do anything but, and I would stay up to like four. And I was like, I have to go to bed. Yeah, Stephen, uh, the game came out, and Stephen's like, oh, I'm probably gonna play this a little bit. And I'm I'm getting ready because I I work I teach on Saturdays. I think that's when we got our beta keys was Friday night, like into Saturday. And I'm like, okay, I gotta go into work uh, in the morning, Stephen. It's like one in, one in the morning, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go to bed. I wake up. Stephen's still going. <laughs> I was just like, I look at his clock. He's been playing for seven hours. He just keeps going. Uh, it's it's really good. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, it's 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 addictive. That's the thing. Is It's the same exact thing I loved about Rogue Legacy and Dark yeah. and Dungeon Mans. It's like, it's constantly rewarding you, but also it's constantly challenging, and that's what keeps me engaged. Is it's like, you know, get to that point where you're like, well, I broke the game. I win everything all the time. Yep. Uh, if I could, I'll do a quick hit, and then maybe something we can spend a little bit of time on. Uh, I played a little bit of Ghost Song, which is, uh, an indie kind of Metroidvania castle, uh, Metroidvania, Castlevania, I feel like I'm being redundant there, uh, 
2D platformer exploration game. Uh, it, it's kind of cynical to say that games are taking influences from Dark Souls, but this game actually has a little bit of that Dark Souls influence in its narrative. You know, maybe not so much in the way the combat works and stuff, but uh, it's intriguing. Um, I played a little bit of the beta. If you're looking for kind of a Metroidvania game, it, it's cool. Um, I, I really like the way that they're telling their story. It's kind of minimalist and uh, moving around the environment, not quite knowing why you're there. Uh, I should have my preview up live soon. And, you know, give it give it a check out. It's not due out anytime soon, probably end of this year, beginning of next year. It, it's got some promise to it. Uh, you know, I, I've... Art. What's that? The art looks really good. I, yeah, the art was great. I yeah. really like the art. Um, it, it didn't... Cape story. It, it didn't control quite as well as I wanted it to, and I'm kind of wondering if maybe when you get some power-ups, that'll help things a little bit. Like when I got the dash maneuver, that helped. And I think, uh, I think also, too, it's so far out. These yeah. Kind of, you know, the, the mechanic-type things, are those get like tweaked on endlessly, you know? Yeah, and it's got one guy making it, so I mean, that that's another factor. And then the, the only other thing that had me a little nervous, I know Steven's going to yell at me here, I wasn't <laughs> a big fan of La Mulana, and I, I don't like that kind of puzzle design, and there was one point where I was just completely lost, and I had to shoot, like, straight up at a rock that looked like every other rock in order to keep going, and I kind of had one of those, like, huh moments. Now, I will, I will give you that La Mulana is... <laughs> More esoteric than the average game yeah, of that style. That game is special. Like I like La Mulana, but I like that is not a game you play to relax. No. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, having recently watched Metroid Fusion and Super Metroid playthroughs, and like a lot of Metroid, there are occasions in Metroid where it's like you have to shoot this block that sort of looks like everything else. That's true. That's the only way you know to do it is by blasting everything in the room. And, right. You know, there there's fun to be had there. And I, I certainly wouldn't want every secret to be obvious, but, you know, if it, it, it you know what, here's how I'll agree with you. I like La Mulana, but I'll never finish it. So yeah. I agree. Yeah. That sort of, that amount of time investment of just like, did you click on this one pixel in this nine billion pixel area? Yeah. Uh, I'm still hopeful for uh, Go Song, and it was it was interesting. You know, I think like Steven's saying, with some of that, you know, it's fun to listen to developer commentaries for Valve games, and they talk about like lighting, and how you know people couldn't make it out of this one room in Left 4 Dead. They had no idea where to go. But then we literally increased. I gotta cut literally out of my vocabulary. I'm sorry, guys. They uh, just increased. They the, figuratively increased. <laughs> they increased the gamma on one of the lights just maybe 10 percent. And suddenly everybody was hitting that door. They knew exactly where they needed to go. So little things like that might fix up Ghost Song a little bit. And it's still early, but I'm definitely intrigued by it. And the art style was really cool. Now, another game... Sorry, I I just wanted to add one last comment. We're in, like, golden age for Metroidvanias, and I'm so happy about that. Yeah, I'm happy about it. I just feel good... You know what? I, I, I say sometimes that I'm sick of all the survival games on Steam. You know what? I don't think I could say that about Metroidvanias. I just want more of them that are gorgeous, that are fun to play. Like, there are so many, like, Time Spinner, uh, Alice, Chasm, like, so many, like, Ghost Song. There are so many good-looking Metroidvanias coming, and I want all of them. What was that last one you said? Alice? Alice, yeah. Uh, Heartforth Alice. Heartforth Alice. Yeah, that's... I, thank you. I forgot the name of that one. I, I did too, and I, it it came back to me for some reason once we asked. I was like, "Oh yeah, uh, that's what it's called." What you call it? Heart fourth? I just write it in this. Yeah, right. heart, heart heart fourth, as in come forth. Oh, oh, whatever. Okay, just write it in Steam chat. Whatever. I can't think right now. I can't 
walk and chew bubble gum at the Just same right time. Just right now? <laughs> Whatever. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, so another game that I played... Um, I have to be very careful here. Uh, a demo demo that I played off the eShop. Um, Codename Steam. Rob, <sighs> what's great about you, Rob, is I, I've come to expect... When you're about to talk about something, I, I feel like I can tell which way you're going to go with it. Not just because we talked about it beforehand. But I feel like you have a different method of intaking breath when you're about to rail something. Yeah. When you're about to go, oh my god, yeah. I just can't stop. Like, your, your build-up really sort of gives it away. You have to center yourself. Well, and see, I, I don't mean to come across so negatively with Codename Steam. So this is the uh, 1950s-inspired, uh, Silver Age comics-inspired kind of steampunk Victorian era. You know, you've seen the gifts of Abraham Lincoln telling you to go out and kick some alien ass. Like, you know, just absolutely... Are you about to let him down? Come on. I mean, bat, <laughs> bat crap crazy... <laughs> Um, intelligence systems, the guys who made Fire Emblem, they're just going nuts with this new uh, 3DS game. And if you remember at E3, they announced it during their treehouse. It was like the second day of E3, so it kind of fell under the radar a little bit. And then when we all had a chance to look at it, there was kind of a collective like, oh my god, it's Valkyria Chronicles on a mobile. Another mobile Valkyria Chronicles. Great! So I'm playing the demo, and... There's. Uh, I'm trying not to do the intake of breath now. You have me all self-conscious. Um, do it. Um, do it. John, John embraced it when we pointed out the way he talks, so just embrace it. <laughs> it's got um, some cool stuff going on. It, it has the Valkyria-style combat. You select a character. You have a limited amount of moves that you can make based on the, the steam that you have built up, and that determines how many attacks you can make. But it just didn't play as well as I wanted it to. Like, the, the whole time I was playing, there's no overhead map, which kind of creates this this weird, like, you have to actually be able to see the enemies, and you're kind of moving your units around to see them on the battlefield, which is cool, but I gotta say, the 3D environments that they've created, they, they almost feel like PlayStation 1 environments. Like, they feel very cluttered. Wow. They, they don't feel very... The camera so, doesn't move very well in them. It just kind of... Now that I've teased you a little bit for getting ready to rail on this game, actually, I played the demo, and I was completely underwhelmed, too. And to what you were just talking about, when I first realized I was sort of underwhelmed was on the second or third turn I was trying to go shoot somebody, and it was like, get that target! And the way you aim is really sort of funky, like, because I don't have the new 3DS, so and I so I can't... I don't have that extra analog stick yep. for aiming, I guess. But I'm trying to hit somebody between two boxes, and I'm just like, oh, I missed it. I, I got, oh, no, I missed it. Like, Because you're using the actual face button. You can either use the uh, the Y, A, X, B buttons to kind of move the camera up and down, or you can use the stylus to maneuver the camera down in the, the bottom screen. It just doesn't Well, yeah, like, it's good. it should work, because it feels fine until you start trying to aim, and then you realize you're not actually trying to... It's not like an action or a real-time game where you're trying to actually aim directly to target. You're trying to find the the hot spot on the screen that makes your t- aiming snap to them. Uh, so, you know, unless you hit that one particular pixel that's the right one, you're just sort of, like, derping around for 20 seconds trying to hit somebody. And that's not, like, you know, that's not the the, uni- the whole experience. Like, there are, like you said, there are a lot of things about it that made me really excited for it. Like, I... I really wanted that to play that game, and like I played the demo and just sort of sighed the whole way through. Like it just wasn't exciting to me. Like I was like, all right, this is a neat art style. 
It's it's clear Ooh. there's a lot of excitement here, but the, that was the thing I, that made me not even want to touch it. Was the yeah, art you style. didn't you didn't like the art style at all, and I I can understand. I mean, it it's very different and it, it's out there. Um, I happen to like it, but it's over. I will say this, uh, and this is going to come up later when we talk about Persona Five. <laughs> <laughs> I think <laughs> I think Codename Steam is oversaturated with stuff. Like I like that there is all this stuff going on. And I, I like that it's like this silly Abraham Lincoln running steampunk nights, shooting animal monster people. That, in theory, sounds like the best thing ever to me. But in practice, I was just like, all right, I'm just sort of overwhelmed by this aesthetic. And the moment-to-moment action didn't feel fun. Whereas in, like, Valkyria, when you get, like, a, a like a sniper, a good shot, or, you know, when you yeah. just successfully defend, you're like, yeah! There, the analogy I made to Steven when I got done playing this and, and my preview for this will be going up very soon. I, I feel like I've become the preview man of the website, which I really love doing. Um, You're fired. Shut up. <laughs> when I played Fire Emblem Awakening, I wasn't getting what I wanted, and then I went to Tactics Ogre, Let Us Cling Together, and I put... Oh, so good. I put like 100 hours into that it game. Really and it, it was my favorite game I played that year. Like uh, I played it two years after it came out and was my favorite game of the year. When I started playing Codename Steam, I, I was actually playing at my desk, and I kept looking at my Steam client, and I'm like, Valkyria is right there, and I know Valkyria <laughs> plays better than this. And that 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 kind of says it all, doesn't it? Like, uh, okay, it's great that this is a mobile game, and you know, I think this is going to find an audience, and golly, I really don't want to beat up on Nintendo coming out with a new IP. That's the last thing I want to do. But it just doesn't play as the as well as the game that inspired it. I, at that point, I'm like, why even play it? Well, I, I, I've, I've never played. I've never played the Valkyria Chronicles games. I was I had too many hentai games on my, you know. <laughs> I, had, I, had, uh, had to budget my time, um, so I I just downloaded the uh, the the demo last night. I'm picking up my new uh, 3ds uh, tonight. Ooh, uh, too. I'm definitely uh, definitely looking forward to to giving it a shot. To see, like you know, having heard what you guys, you know, have to say as as people who have played Valkyria Chronicles. Now I'm curious, what if you're, you know, what if you haven't? Well, I'll see what I think. Probably yeah, I, I'm actually interested too. And you know, I I, I say all that about Codename Steam, but I still sort of want to play the full game. Yeah, because I have sort of a bad run with demos lately. I don't know if maybe I just don't get interested because I know this isn't my actual play of the game. But, like, you know, I play a demo sometimes and I just have a hard time engaging. So I really would like to actually play the released version of the game just so I can sort of dig into it. Because these are the people that made Advance Wars and Fire Emblem. Like, yeah. I, I feel like I should be giving them my strategy time. It, it definitely... I, I'm, I'm still intrigued. I want to be into that story. It's so bat crap bonkers. Like, I want to enjoy it. But the, the moment-to-moment fighting, at least in the demo, just didn't feel snappy it didn't feel punchy there there's this really weird thing where like you can move to and you'll spend steam while you move but then they don't penalize you for it so you can go back to where you moved before and still recover all that steam and then move wherever you want to again but then it kind of creates this this sort of weird rubber banding where like you'll walk forward a little bit and go okay that's where the enemies are 
and then you're walking back to where you started, and now you're going to do your actual move. Whereas, you know, Valkyria was pretty tough, where, especially with the, the slower characters like the snipers, you could kind of screw them up really fast if you got caught in the environment. I know Bob pointed the, that, that out in his PC review, like the, uh, the tank and some of the slower characters could get hung on the environment, and that would screw you up tactically. But this game just kind of feels like a little half-assed in that strategy portion, like... It just doesn't feel good to be moving outward a little bit, and then then there's heal there's healing kits on the ground in combat, and they're just kind of in seemingly random areas. Like, oh my my one guy's hurt, and there's a healing item over there. I better go get it. Like, I, I'm sitting there going, wouldn't it be better to have a tactical game where there's somebody that can heal him, like a party member that can do it? Like, it just doesn't. I don't know. It just it it feels like it's almost been designed too much for mobile. Maybe that was the point. But I just, I don't know. Something. I, I am actually getting uncomfortable with you calling 3DS mobile. Please stop. Why? Oh, oh, oh. Cause it, Cause, yeah. th- there's the implied cell phone game portion of that. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. Even though I'm about to talk about a cell phone game that I like. <laughs> but, I th- but, you know, you're going to design a game for a non-console. Is that better? It, you're going to design a game in a different way, and it, it almost feels like Codename Steam has maybe gone a little too far in that. Right? I, I'd, I'd love to have uh, Caitlin on the show again to talk about, because she, she played the mobile uh, Valkyria Chronicles, how much was lost in the transition from the console to the PSP version. I'm kind of interested to hear if anything was really lost there. But I just playing this game just made me want to play Valkyria again because I know that that's a fuller experience. Maybe that's the point. I don't know. I, I want to give this a shot. I'm not completely down on it, but mm, yeah. You just reminded me that I bought Valkyria Chronicles on Steam. So did I, and I I, I, I forgot to. Well, I forgot. I haven't played Download it at it. all yet. Yeah, I just yeah, like <laughs> I bought it. I bought it the other day because it was on sale for ten bucks. Uh, oh, my roommate bought it for me when it was on sale for ten too. Yeah, and then like I, I like I bought it using the app when I wasn't at home, and then I just forgot that I did that. So <laughs> thanks for reminding me. Now I can play back here, Chronicles. Kind of funny that the two big re-releases on uh, well, it wasn't just on PC, but uh, Capcom came out the other day saying that the Resident Evil remake was like their highest-selling digital release. Ever. I think it's actually the highest selling digital release ever. I the, the language was kind of ambiguous there. Like every news story I read was kind of like couldn't really decide if they meant highest digital release ever or I I can't believe that that would be like all Steam numbers forever. But you know, I think well I think it was like the well I don't know I was gonna say best PSN but it was on maybe the, I know that they meant across all platforms when they mentioned that so I actually yeah. don't know and it was released on like everything PlayStation 3 PlayStation 4 Xbox 360 Xbox One and PC and toasters and, and, toasters and you know why that game calculators you should put it on yeah. it. <laughs> uh, it, it that game is you can play it's, Resident Evil HD or Fall Down <laughs> on as many uh, consoles as Final Fantasy 3 it, it was <laughs> it was really good to replay that game and and I and then I made the joke to Steven that oh that's great now Capcom's going to remake Resident Evil Zero everyone's going to remember that they hate that game that's going to sell like crap and then Capcom's like well people don't want traditional Resident Evil games anymore it's like no you morons put the good ones put the good ones out there please learn something from this yeah please, yeah. we please. want we just want to you know here's what we all want let me just speak from our hearts we want a Resident Evil two in the style of Resident Evil remake. Yep. And honestly, I think that new control system with a little bit of working, I actually really like the new controls, but the, the camera angles weren't designed with it in mind. So I, they, they got to work on that a little bit. I feel like that's a stopgap and it breaks the game. 
you can totally you like again i i appreciate that they added it because i think making it more accessible is awesome it breaks that game's balance because the zombies are not built yeah. to Im- just to, to handle that kind of motion video yeah like just videos have have shown me that that would that it breaks it like see i really like the extra controls i i mean i really really like that kind of control system trying to play tank controls again it makes it easy mode like uh, yeah. not with the hunters. I, I, not I don't with the hunters. They did a bit with that, and it's just like the the enemies attack on linear patterns. So all you have to do is like circle them, and they can't do anything. They're like, oh, let me turn around and get to you. That's true. That's true. I, I think that with a little, that's the modern control scheme they need to use, but they need to design enemies around it, and they need to make the environment so that there aren't as many transitions between the uh, the camera angles so that you're taking full advantage of it. But that's the way the game needs to control. Like, my students tried to play with tank controls, dude, and it was, like, the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, they were a mess. Yeah. I mean, again, they, they'd have to design the game around it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that would be cool. Perfectly for the game because that's how they made it. Like, I I think they can do it, but man, that game is really good. But like I was saying, you know, not to get too too off topic, but I I think that these these re-releases have been really really cool, and I hope that companies like Sega and Capcom like they realize that the these games are this is what some people really want. And now as long as you don't do what Square Enix did with Tomb Raider and throw you know more money than God at it and expect it to sell Call of Duty numbers like. It's nice to be surprised. I mean, they announced the Resident Evil remaster, like, what, over the summer? And it came out in January, so they, they probably didn't put too much money, and judging by some of the textures in the game, they really didn't put too much money into it. That's okay. Yeah, not not everything in the game is as lovingly recrafted no, as No, that tiger game. statue looks like balls. That thing <laughs> looks terrible. It's like one single texture map that's like, Ugh. Stretched over four hundred. <laughs> it's the, there are parts like of that game that just look terrible. Like gurgling. <laughs> they're like we spent thirteen hours recreating a torch, but this tiger. <laughs> Kill me. Sorry, I, I didn't hear Rob's appropriate noise. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually uh, a Wookiee getting very pissed off at the Resident Evil remake. But it, <laughs> an angry cat. <laughs> okay, uh, so I think that's about everything I've been playing. Uh, Steven, you said you had a mobile game, and then we'll go to Derek. Yeah, no, I'll just, just quickly say, um, we I think we talked about it a long time ago, like when Mike was on the show or something, but uh, this it's a, it's, a, it's an unapologetic Wind Waker clone called Oceanhorn on iOS, and I think it might be on Android as well. And again, I preface every time I talk about a mobile game with, I don't like mobile games, blah, 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 because of this. I don't, I don't want to buy Atlas Gems. I don't want to. I don't want any part of your experience made to monetize anything. So that's why I don't like a lot of mobile games. Um, Oceanhorn is a complete experience. It's like eight bucks. It is a pretty. I would call it. Some might call it a ripoff. Less cynically, I would call it an homage to Wind Waker. But it's a Zelda clone. But it's a really good one with good dungeons, uh, good controls, fun items, and great music. Um, and so I've been playing it since Magfest when Mike got it for me, and I've almost finished it. And sort of, I've almost sort of surprised myself that I've almost finished it because my attention span for mobile games again is like zero. So, but there have been times where I'll be sitting on the couch and I'm like, I'm gonna play Oceanhorn, and I'll play it for like two hours. Um, but it's just you know, there's a lot of 
earlier Zelda type, you know, oh, go here and explore this cave. And if you go deep enough into this cave, you might find a secret that you don't need at all. You know, there are islands that you sail to and it doesn't take quite as long as Wind Waker. The map is a little bit smaller. Um, but it's sort of a really cool combination of like Link to the Past's gameplay style and Wind Waker's, you know, ocean islands, you know, three-dimensional aesthetic. And it's it's a really cool game. Um, you know, I... it. It challenges my perception of mobile games as throwaway garbage. Um, it's it's quite good. It's very polished. Uh, the the version that's out now is actually the game of the year edition, which I guess has some extra side quests. I can't really comment on the differences, but again, like the side quests are fun, the dungeons are cool, and if you like Zelda's, it's well worth playing. It's and it's not super long. You know, there's I think there's about five or six dungeons, um, but no, it's it's really good. Sadly, the internet says that uh, it is not available on Android, and the publisher has said that they don't have any plans to bring it to Android. Womp womp. Yeah. Yeah, I guess this also calls me out as having gotten an iPhone, so even though I swore I never would, I have one, and it's my favorite phone I've had, so... It's a cult. Yeah, well, you know, when I get messages instantaneously from iMessage, I find myself not missing Android. Okay. I've, I've had them both. They're both fine. Yeah, no, I mean, all my Android phones were great, too, but all of them fell apart after about six months, whereas, you know, so far so good with this one, I guess. But Okay, Derek, what do you got? I haven't really played a lot new lately. Um, I think I talked about it a little bit on the previous, or I guess it was episode before last because I was not available last time, but I, I played Brandish. Um, I finished that, and I reviewed it, and... Uh, if, sorry, full title, Brandish the Dark Revenant. It's a PSP dungeon crawler. It's playable on Vita, which is what I'm sure like 90% of everybody is going to play it on. Um, it's Exceed's most recent release. It's another Falcom game. And I don't... I really can't remember. Like, Steven, do you remember if I talked about this? Or Rob? I don't think you talked about Brandish. Because um, I feel like I did, but because I don't want to repeat myself. Too. I think we... I think maybe you talked about it like when you first got it, but I don't think... If you had, you hadn't played it much. Because all I remember is us talking about the camera perspective. Okay. Yeah, well... I maybe, really maybe more like, how do you feel about it now that you finished it? Yeah, I don't have a lot more to add because I don't think the experience changes significantly throughout the game. Um, it's, it's a pretty consistent game, like you're getting into new areas that look different and have different music, but otherwise the gameplay is very much the same. Um, they, they add in some new twists. like So it's, so it's a tile-based dungeon crawler, and it's mostly about resource management and solving puzzles. Um, I'd say solving puzzles almost more than anything, because there are, like you have these huge labyrinthine floors, and there's a, a map system kind of similar to Etrian Odyssey, and you can manually make the map, but without a touchscreen, it's kind of a pain. Mm -hmm. Um, like, you have to actually enter a menu and then go into that and then awkwardly use the control pad and stuff to set down icons and then, like, type out words if you want to leave notes and stuff. And it's just, it's too cumbersome to be really useful. But uh, it's there if you need it, which I guess is fine. But these floors are huge, and a lot of the time you're just walking around and trying to find, like, this, like the one cracked wall that you missed um, that you could break down with a sledgehammer and find a... a a chest like that has the one key that you missed you through the one door that you were stuck at um so it's very like it demands a very particular mindset and uh i wouldn't say that it's really really hard so much as it is just kind of punishing and or exhausting um because the stages are so big levels whatever you want to call them but it's um it's pretty cool like it has a good soundtrack and uh, i mean i know i always 
mention the soundtrack, and that was one of the better things in the game. But it's got a really minimalist story. Uh, you get a little bit of it in the very beginning, and basically the, the story is that you're, you're stuck in some ruins. You're a bounty hunter or a mercenary. You're on the run from your rival, who's this sorceress. Her name is Della Delon. I, I don't know. That's her name. <laughs> I, I don't know. Is she the one on the old box art that has giant... Yeah, she has the like... impractical bikini armor. Yeah. Has. Um, and she's, you know, she's fine. Like, she's just kind of a, a funny rival character, and you can't take her too seriously. But the story is pretty minimal. So, I mean, all that really happens is, like, oh, no, she surprised you, and she tried to hit you with a magical attack, and misfired, and you both got blown. Like, the ground blew open, and you're now stuck in these underground ruins. And as you go through, you're progressing, and you're... Uh, you're just trying to get out, basically. And there are actually people who have made homes down in the ruins because they've just resigned themselves to never escaping. And I thought that was kind of an interesting thing because it's a very um, it's a very atmospheric game more than anything. Like, the story is told through... Like, you can talk to shopkeepers and they have a, a few lines of dialogue apiece. Like, or more than a few. But uh, that's basically where you're getting all the story. Is other than the fact that you're trying to escape, you can talk to shopkeepers, and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, I've been down here for ten years, and I've learned that I can make a living because enough people get trapped in here, and they they're never going to get out, so you shouldn't bother." Um, but story is definitely not where the game is primarily concerned, and that's obvious uh, from from the very beginning. But it's it's a pretty fun dungeon crawler. I think that it's um, it's clear that it was made a little while ago, and it's, this is actually a remake of, um, originally it was like an, oh god, I forget the system, it was like a PC Engine game back in the early 90s, and it was remade for Super Nintendo, which actually came out here, and then they remade it again for the PSP in Japan, and that's this version. So it's the first in a series that has, I think, at least four games in it, and we've never gotten any of the other ones besides this one, but... Um, I think they've probably added stuff to later installments that make it more interesting. But as it is, it's just you're playing as one guy, you're going through dungeons, you're avoiding traps, and you're trying to find, you know, like, find the key to open the right door, find the switch to open the right door. Um, and it doesn't really change a lot. Like I said, it'll add new things, like in the the second main area, the tower, you'll start having to walk through invisible walls, which I just thought was really obnoxious, actually. Um it's it's a game that just wants you to be thinking about like every possible way that they could be uh, confusing you. Like, what could they possibly do to impede me from reaching the next floor? Let me try and figure that out. But I, I wouldn't. So would, you, so would you recommend it to somebody that say like the average action RPG lover or I the probably, average dungeon crawler fan? I probably wouldn't actually. And I gave it. I reviewed it. I gave it a seventy nine. So for me, like a C plus and. <clears throat> I think that it is the 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 things that I liked about it were the very Falcom E things. So if you're a fan of East or Legend of Heroes: Trails in the Sky, Soranoki Seki, it's got like it's just got a very Falcom aesthetic. And I don't really know how else to explain that other than the fact that it feels like the menus feel very Falcom E. The music is very Falcom E. Um, I like the dialogue. I think what little there is is very flavorful, but it's not. It's not the best dungeon crawler out there. Like, it's not randomly generated, though, which I think is different than a lot of its peers, because a lot of these games, like Chocobo's Mysterious Dungeon, Torneco, I don't know why I'm going back to, like, PS1-era dungeon crawlers, but those kinds of games are almost always randomly generated. So this one is not, and I think that that's unique, but it's not, it's not amazing. Like, it's not bad, and 
I said as much in my review. So I, I, ca- I can't heartily recommend it. Like, I think the reason why I got anything out of it is because I like Falcom so much that I was able to appreciate the Falcom-y things in the game. Um, but I don't, I don't know that any of you guys would really care for it all that much. I was a little intrigued by it. Like it it's, looked- it's all right. I think, Rob, I think you'd like the first couple floors maybe, and then you'd be like, all right, I'm over it. Because it, 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 it takes its time. It just goes on and on and on. Like, it it was hours and hours before I even got out of the first place, the ruins or the first area, and there are many, many floors. Um, and I got really tired of seeing the same tile sets, like the same enemies, same tile sets, and I was just like, all right, I've, I've been in this for like five, six hours now, and I'm ready to go somewhere else. And it's cool. Like, oh, the bosses are a highlight, though. I forgot to mention that. Like, even though it's a grid-based dungeon crawler, you would think that there's not going to be very much strategy in boss fights, but there is. Oh. And, like, there's... um, The first boss is, like, a wizard that will shoot fireballs. You have to dodge the fireballs, and then he'll keep cloning himself. And so it, it becomes very puzzle-like, because you have to determine where your character can step to avoid getting hit in the crossfire with all the different magical attacks. And, like, the second one, you have to hit enemies into it to make it weak, because it's like a... I won't spoil anything beyond this, but um, it's like a giant crab, and it spawns mini crabs that you have to hit. Yeah, a giant crab. Jesus, it's a crab. Crab, crab battle. Right, it's got my knife. You have to. Um, it spawns little crabs that act like bowling balls, and you actually have to hit them down tiles at the enemy and knock them into him to to break his shell before you can go up and damage him. So they feel very Zelda, in that you have a specific thing you need to do. Like there's a gimmick for each one, and I like that. But um, other than that, it's it's a kind of a. I mean, my, again, review. My review explains it more eloquently than I can on the spot. But uh, it's kind of a mundane experience overall. So Sounds it good. comes tepidly recommended to certain people. To, <laughs> to sum it up, John McCarroll style. It's a game. It's a game. Nah. Fans will like it. So I, I don't mean to to cut this podcast short, but I, I think we're running a we're running a little long here, and I think we have two big news stories to talk about. Um, do we want to talk about Oh my God, Persona Five? Oh my God! Or do we want to talk about Oh my God, Netflix wants Game of Thrones Hyrule? No, let's do Persona first because I want to be excited for a while. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Okay, so we want to end on a downer, is what you're telling me. Oh, Persona 5 looks so good! Holy God! I I could sum up everything about Persona 5 simply by saying, you know, we're all excited about the detail in the game and how it's presented. You know what? Take a look at the the user interface in the battles. The game is so consistent that the characters are holding the little signs up and their portraits are mugshots. That's how consistent this game is. Down to the little HP displays. Yep. It it has a style about it. It it knows what it is. The menus were the most gorgeous menus I have ever seen in a game. I know, right? (laughs) So interestingly, I thought that as well. Uh, I've been having debates with my roommate about this because he actually thinks they're veering into oversaturation with too much going on. I don't agree um, because I feel like the menus in that game are awesome. They're like the logical evolution of what yeah. of the style you saw in Catherine. I'm sure yep. like if you just yeah. saw like a glimpse of it, you'd be like, I can't. There's so many options here, but I'm sure once you're in game, it'll be I agree. really awesome. Yeah, it'll it's, be perfect. It really is just kind of like the iterative. The next step off, off of Persona 4's menus, which are very, very colorful and sharp, and this is just like, you know, 
and it's, it's the next gen version, really. Absolutely, yeah. They're playing into the theme of like stealing and being thieves, like that. That plays into that's it. So cool. so excited. That plays yeah. into what Steve like, was talking about with the mug shots. I mean, yeah, like the yeah. whole game is so consistent style wise, and like they they were talking about how Meguro's putting together some acid jazz for the soundtrack, oh, like. That soundtrack was. I was watching it. Okay, I'll freely admit, I was watching it while I should have been teaching kids physics. Like the trailer came out, and I was like, "Guys, I need three minutes." There's important things happening. The, things are happening. The internet is exploding, and I'm listening. And all the kids, they can't see the screen, and they're like, "That music sounds really good." And I was like, "Yeah, Persona, guys, come on, stop buying Madden." Uh, <laughs> like, it just. It has a style. It has it has substance to it. You know, we see him jumping from chandelier to chandelier and kind of doing the the Final Fantasy fifteen like wall hug, like moving down a hallway and like. Then there's that a cat. Was a very Final Fantasy fifteen trailer. <laughs> oh my god, the cat's a cat because he's a cat burglar. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a kitty. Um, I love all the character designs. Yeah, yeah. It just it looks just. Ah, and when well, you know, we were hoping you... for it, it looks like Persona, but with fresh. Ka- with Catherine's engine. Derek was saying earlier that polish is really important to him. To me, like that, that, that cohesion and, and attention to detail, that's one of the things that I value the most in really like anything, game, movie, you know, book, whatever. Yeah. If you have an experience that where you've clearly put that thought into it and, and it all hangs together. Man, I just I, I love that, and I'll 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 forgive a lot for that. And fortunately, if you know this holds up to the previous games in the series, I won't have to forgive a lot for that. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like um, where they were saying that the game is not going to have entirely randomly generated dungeons. They said that randomly generated content's not gone, but that was one of the highlights of Persona Three for me were those full moon dungeons because you know they weren't especially lengthy, but those kinds of experiences are great for breaking up the, well, I gotta go into the generic dungeon monotony now, which I would say probably not the combat aspect, but the randomly generated parts of Persona 3 and 4 are probably the weakest parts of them, at least yeah, for me. That's fair, yeah. that's fair. And, and I, I wouldn't want yeah. that content to be gone, because it's it supports the style of game that it is, but I love the idea of, you know, you do your random dungeons, you do your random dungeons, and then there's, like, a casino heist. So, some really eagle-eyed people on the boards were able to identify that there were uh, demons from the Shin Megami Tensei series in combat, like, uh, that you were fighting demons as opposed to all the shadow monsters from right. Persona. That that was very interesting to me. I mean, that that could say something about, you know, we, we know how Atlas likes to reuse assets, you know, character models in uh, Digital Devil Saga and then used again in Persona nocturne like that to me says that they're doing something that could then be expanded upon you know they could do another full shin megami tensei game if they're already modeling those demons and you know what does that say about the story is this is this completely separate from persona 3 and persona 4 like oh man head explosion happiness joy i i mm. that was just it was one of the best trailers i i've seen in recent memory like I, I, like I said, I've watched it on repeat, and it's so it nails everything that it needed to. And it, like it's been so long since we've seen or heard anything about the game. It, I, it, this was the debut, and it's it's perfect. Like also, I think they did a really really good job of tying even like on a meta level, tying in this trailer to the original teaser and making it thematically consistent. Like 
the first one you see it and you're like and i don't know if you guys heard about people calling him like harry potter coon and stuff they're like oh yeah if i have main character harry potter and then so so you get this impression of him and then months and months down the line we get this new trailer that ties exactly into what the director said is that his his um his behavior is like a facade him being nerdy and quiet is a complete facade and like and in the trailer you see him going out of control being you know he's got a devious smile he's he's thieving obviously and i was just like that's so cool it completely upturned my expectations of that character before the game even came out lupin the and just like harry potter he's gonna rob a bank Maybe. <laughs> you, can, you can totally <laughs> see the duality of it too like the nerdiness in the first one and then the showboating in front of like the police and everyone mm-hmm. like yeah it's complete opposite and it's awesome oh, I they, did, it. they didn't really show his persona until the uh the latest issue of was what was it uh dengeki That's, or yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they they didn't even show the persona, but at the very end of the trailer, you knew they're getting ready. Oh, that was good. What's like, especially interesting to me is that it looks like you may actually transform into your persona. Yeah, yeah. that could be cool. I mean that that to me says that was one of my favorite aspects of uh, man Digital Devil Saga. No, one of those games I should be playing. I mean, I really like that part of Digital Devil Saga. So. Man, I, I'm just excited. I'm excited to have Shin Megami Tensei in some form on a console. Like, that just feels so good. I, I love when they're in the cafe. And, like, yes. uh, hanging out. Like, Catherine, I, I don't hate. Uh, looking back on Catherine, and I know Jackie's going to give me, like, the worst look in the world because she. We started dating when I played that game the first time, and the, the stream of curses that would come out of me playing that game. I didn't hate that game because I was so interested in those characters until the game went completely off the rails, stupid in terms of the story. But when they were just hanging out at the cafe. Yeah. Like I was just like, this is what Persona le- needs to be. They took that and ratcheted it up to eleven. Like it just looks, it just looks like a world I want to be a part of. It looks interesting. Yes, and like, it's still got it's, the calendar in the corner. Like you can still see that it's going to be based around the school calendar. Yeah. It says, I think it says a lot to me. And again, I, I sort of mentioned touched on this already, but it says a lot to me when your game, the detail, like the item option in your menu is interesting to look at. That, that tells me that you are taking the time to create an experience, not to be like, hey, JRPG, turn-based combat and generic dungeons with stupid monsters and cute anime girls. Yeah. Like, you know, this is like, we didn't just take Times New Roman and slap a font together in RPG Maker. We are building an experience. I'm building something. I'm, and it is coming to PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 3, correct? Yep. Yep. Oh, God, yep. please. I, 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 I hate to say it, but I don't think this game is going to come out till the end of the year in Japan. But man, I'm ready. I'm... Yeah, they they said it was supposed to come out here in this year, but yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, unless they're localizing it real fast. But then again, that game looked a lot more complete than I thought when we when we were going to see it the first time. You know what I mean? Like, I think one of the the most recent interviews I read said that they um they had the basic structure of the game mapped out. They have all the the graphical systems in place. Like, obviously, they have a working battle system. Um, and this at this point, they're just fleshing it out, adding detail. Yeah, oh, man, I just want that game tomorrow. Me too. <laughs> it looks ridiculous. Holy like, god! If it, if it could make me forget about Xenoblade Chronicles X for any amount of time, like I'll be honest, crap. it made it made me forget about Xenoblade Chronicles X. It didn't make me forget about anything because I'm excited well, for that and 15 and Persona Five. But it like, but it made me, you know, 
briefly, I was like, temporarily consider another option. And at the risk of kind of throwing a bomb right now, I I was surprised because there were a lot of articles that were coming out like right after Persona 5 uh, trailer and uh, Xenoblade Chronicles trailer. And it was like, the JRPG isn't dead. In fact, it's been thriving. And I'm like, "Uh, console JRPGs kind of hit a a little bit of a stumbling block there for a couple years. Now we've got some serious stuff coming out and i'm really excited but with the exception of xenoblade like we kind of didn't have anything for a while like yes there were mobile games that were really good i loved for i I love shimigami tensei 4 i know steven thinks i'm crazy i loved that game but we didn't have we didn't have like a big console release outside of a nino kuni or a xenoblade here or there and now we've got three that steven just mentioned with uh xenoblade chronicles x Persona 5 and Final Fantasy 15. You could include Type 0 HD in there. Of course, you definitely You should can. include Type 0 yeah. in there. Those are four high pl- profile games that I'm freaking excited about. Like, this is great. But, but it's amazing to me how people were quick to be like, no, 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 man, JRPGs weren't dead. It's not that they were in dead, but I think Japanese gaming on a whole was going through a weird growth spurt where they kind of had to figure out what they needed to do a little bit. And now maybe they've kind of got something together here. Like, I hope these games are really good, really successful, the same way that the Resident Evil remaster did a good job, the way Valkyria Chronicles was a great seller when it was re-released. Hell, put Valkyria Chronicles back on the PlayStation 3 store. Give those people a shot to play it. Like, these games, people want to play these games, guys. Like, and that makes me so happy. And it's almost like being a kid seeing all the games coming out of japan for the playstation 2 and how giddy i was for all those i haven't felt that way in a long time like not since you know 2001 when we had metal gear solid 2 devil may cry and final fantasy 10 in one year and my like 10th grade mind melted you know like we haven't had a moment like that in a long time where just J- Japan was just knocking it out of the park. You, they come out and say that they're rebooting Resident Evil and it's in the in a mansion and it's scary as hell again. Bring it the hell on! Like, mm. I have a question for everybody that's purchasing Type Zero. Are you going to play the Final Fantasy 15 demo first, or are you going to no. play Type Zero first? No, I'm going to play Type Zero first. No, I'm going to play the demo first. It's going to be shorter. Yeah, yeah. So I am also on the playing the demo first. You're all nuts. Here. Why? Yeah, I don't know. Like that. I feel like you're like you're. I feel like I'd rush through Type Zero to get to the demo. If see, I, I, you know what, I would probably spend those few hours to do it and then move on. I would probably play Type Zero a little bit, and then after I've had that, then I would go to the demo. When when does Type Zero come out again? It's like March, whatever. March seventeenth, I think. Okay, well, I'm not playing it until April. But you're telling me when you bought Zone of the Enders, you didn't play the Metal Gear. But that's but that's what I'm saying is that that was also I think that was a very different situation too because you had you just want want that delayed gratification. Like I don't. No, I I, I think what I think what it is, guys, is that I want to play the actual like this is a complete experience game rather than this is a demo of something that's coming out in a year and a half. Like I I think I've Maybe delayed gratification is it, but I, I just feel myself kind of like I've matured in that sense of a gamer of, oh, oh I need to play boy. this right away. I, I'm not saying that to say, like, oh, I'm all high and mighty. I know I don't need to play it right away. I'm already interested in it. You know what I mean? Like, guys, I didn't go out and buy a PlayStation 4 to play the Bloodborne Alpha, okay? I, I think that's me showing some restraint. because well, you didn't get into it. <laughs> we all know I could have gotten into it. Eh. I think you were soured on that uh, DLC. 
Yeah. Uh, okay. That. <laughs> I think he's. <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. You might have something there. You might have the the DLC to Dark Souls too. But no, I I would rather play Type Zero a little bit and then kind of maybe sit down with a cup of coffee on you know a Sunday morning and say, all right, Final Fantasy 15. To Let's to throw see. you a bone, I will at least say I've already finished Type Zero twice, so I suppose I could see why maybe I'm more excited for 15 demo because I'm I'm wanting to play that more to see what it's like. Uh, and actually, if I'm being totally honest, I just want to hear the music that's in it. Um, but same. <laughs> oh my god, same. I same. you know I feel like a as they said that's a shorter experience. Type Zero is a pretty lengthy game, and you know, I, fifteen is the unknown element there. I already know, like at least me personally, and people by hearsay already know that Type Zero is a good game. I really want to see what's what's up with fifteen. Okay. Okay. Um. Last topic, and then uh, I think we'll bring this pretty awesome show to a close. Uh, Legend of Zelda, possibly a Netflix. Uh, cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I, I think don't have. I have zero problems. Choice of words to say family-friendly Game of Thrones was an odd one. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's I think that just was. You know, yeah, like yeah. Totally. meeting gone awry. You know, I talked. To, we talked about this on the most recent Rhythm Encounter, which will be up tomorrow, and. Uh, I can't register, like, apathy. Like, I'm not, I'm not getting the immediate, wow, that's a terrible idea. But I'm also not getting the, hmm, that's a good idea. I'm sort of like, what, what is the plan here? Well, I think uh, Movie Bob, uh, Bob Chipman, kind of nailed it on uh, The Escapist the other day where he did, like, a short, you know, he does his uh, Tuesdays, the big picture thing. And he said, like, Nintendo has been so protective of their properties, you know, that god-awful Super Mario Brothers uh, movie. Like, Mm -hmm. they're so protective of that stuff that, on the one hand, yes, that means that you don't get the oversaturation of, like, 10 million Mario cartoons and a movie and, you know, McDonald's breakfast meals and all that. Mario Boom. Yeah, you you don't get that. But at the same time, then that, this is also, it's also leaving kind of a gaping hole where maybe they could branch out and try some different stuff. Like, you know, the the one that I bring up is I really liked the uh, the Dead Space motion comic that was running before the original game came out. That thing was creepy as hell. And I used to sit down like every month when one of those new ones came out. It was a like eight minute motion comic every month. I sat down and watched those, and that got me actually hyped for the game. I was like, this is really creepy. But, this, is, this is a different way of kind of talking about your franchise a little bit. Let me pose... My thing with this is, and again, not that I don't like Zelda. I like Zelda, but of all of the Nintendo properties to make a TV show based on, that's the one that is strangest to me. Because, again, not to make fun of Zelda, but mm-hmm. it's sort of just generic fantasy. And, like, you know, to say Game of Thrones without the... With family friendly, Zelda's not a Game of Thrones esque experience. No, like, it's not. Not even. The, the stories are never the focal point, and it's not that Link isn't an interesting character or a fun character. I think it's probably the better way to phrase it. But like, why not make a, a TV show based on Fire Emblem and just say it's family friendly Game of Thrones because that's what Fire Emblem is? Or I'd take an not, anime Fire Emblem. Why not I'd take that? Why not take a live action freaking Metroid and make a space sci fi bounty hunter show? I, no, I, I'll, I'll admit I'm not like the biggest Zelda guy, but is there ever any like gray area to Ganon? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what is his motivation? Um, his motivation is I'm angry and I'm from a valley with cool music. That's about it. I, I think they could actually do something um, like like the um, 
what what's it called? Um, like American Horror Story does it. Fargo's going to do it next season. Which, holy God, that first season of Fargo was amazing. Um, where they're they're kind of doing like an anthology. Like they they do a season that's kind of isolated in its own little world, and then maybe they'll bring back the same actors, but they're going to play different people. I was actually thinking that's how you fix Resident Evil is every Resident Evil game is just like a different kind of monstrous scenario. But the themes of like dark horror, you know, you could make that work, I guess. Maybe Zelda kind of does something like that where like one season you kind of do like maybe the Wind Waker style, like big ocean world. Then the next season it's a different <laughs> link, you know. I don't know. I, I, I kind of agree with Steven that it seems like the odd choice but it's also the right choice in that zelda is their most it's their most popular franchise in america like it is their most popular franchise like would that not be mario though i i mean not that you can't make a game of thrones-esque mario show but you could it might be really cool like you know, he just comes up and stabs <laughs> Luigi. like plotting to murder Mario, and he's like, I'm going to work with well, Peach. Well, Luigi's got the, the stare for it. You know, just like uh, the Mario brothers send their regards. Woo-hoo! Step, step, step. Like, I'm thinking finally some uh, sort of plot about... Uh, yeah, everybody always talks about, well, maybe uh, Princess Peach really wants to be with Bowser instead, because <laughs> does keep getting kidnapped. Now I'm thinking of Criminal Girls, and I think we need to end the show now. He's <laughs> at Bowser, and he's like, all oh, those other people are just there to get us in the door. Are you guys talking to my garden again? <laughs> he's going to betray you! <laughs> uh, it's interesting. I don't think... F- fans shouldn't lose their minds right now. Like, again... Yeah. But- if anything, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which, Stephen, my ears are still ringing mm. from your little mm-hmm. cries about Spider-Man joining the Spider-Man Marvel. is coming home to a studio that can make a decent film with him. <laughs> but, like, um, I think if that's taught us anything, that you can you can do cool stuff. So, you know, maybe it's not, not going to be, you know, Link in the green tights running around. You know, shooting so I, I as long as it makes the sound from the animated show whenever he shot laser beams out of his short sword, like the like as long as it does that, I'll be okay. Um, am I the only one that remembers that animated show? Such like, a specific request. Excuse <laughs> me. That's what you want out of all the things available. That's what I want is that sound. Um, they could do a number of things with it, and I'm I'm excited. You know, it's cool to think of Nintendo kind of loosening the reins here a little bit. I I agree with Steven, though. I think a Fire Emblem anime series is just like, why hasn't this happened yet? Well, I was actually more specifically referring to a Fire Emblem live-action series, because I I was... You could do anime. I mean, easy. No, you could, but uh, this is like, the the market for here is clearly like, you know, live-action Zelda. We're aiming for the brand recognition of Zelda, but we want live-action so people will watch it. Because grown-ups in the U.S. still have a problem with watching cartoons. Quote, yeah. Okay, we, we we have exciting stuff coming in the next year. Man, we had a lot of games to talk about. That was really cool. Like, you know, yeah. remember when January, February used to just be like, like eh. yeah. And I have to get my, get my $400 together here in the next month. And uh, Rob, I'm testing you. What was the game I talked about that was Zelda like? Uh, Aura? No. <laughs> Ocean Horn. Oh, good, good. No, he got it. I got it. I wanted to say, like, Oracle of Ocean. I was like, no, that's not it. <laughs> I got it. I did okay. I listened. Oh, you did very well. You got it quite Thank quick. Thank you. <laughs> I'm proud of you. You listened to me. 
I I do what I can. Um, so yeah, that was a pretty good podcast, guys. Jeremy, did you have a good time on your first show? Yeah, definitely. I uh, I got to get better at jumping in. I'm feel, I still feel new. It, it's tough when you got five people on the podcast. Yeah, five people too. Yeah. Yeah, he's also sitting right next to me, and I'm probably elbowing him out of the way a little bit. So. <laughs> but Derek, you remember you were quiet on the show too when you first. It's came true, out. and now I'm like, shut up! I got to talk about something. But shut up! Has things to say. That's the point you of the show, though. Gotta gotta be gentle. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, you have to be gentle when you're doing Criminal Girls. And okay, yeah. and on that note. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's just nasty. All right, nasty. I have to go clean the wife's car out, so I'm gonna go take care of that. But uh, thank you everybody for listening to Random Encounter. As always, give us uh, notes and messages on the message boards. We actually got a really good one, but we're kind of running a little late here, so I want to talk about the reviews thing on the next show. So let's hold off on that. Maybe get a couple more questions on the message board, and we can do that. Hey guys, we hit 81 reviews. Come on, can we get to 100? I mean, come on. Come on. Please. I I am not above shilling myself. I will give a... Totally. Yeah, shill Rob. I will will give a personal shout-out. And I, I thought myself. you were gonna say a lap dance. I I feel I hear myself in someone's mic. I will give a personal shout-out to anyone. I, I will say just about anything in the reviews. If you want me to say Purple Monkey Dishwasher, I'm realizing now that this could get really out of hand. I will give personal shout-outs to people that give us reviews on iTunes. I really, really want to hit uh, 100 ratings sometime. Don't do it. He'll probably quit doing the podcast once he hits 100. No, no, no. I'm going to quit doing the podcast when we hit 100 shows, which will hopefully be around E3. That's my guess, is that we're going to hit do, 100. I will actually like, punch you. I don't know if I'll have I need you. I need you, Rob. Oh, I don't even know how many people listen to this show because I don't know how many reviews we get on iTunes. We only have 81. Yeah, jeez. Was... If only we had some way to tell. <laughs> More reviews might help. You guys, if we don't get 100 reviews, Rob is going to quit the show. I, I think that then the number of reviews, like people will start deleting them and they're like, no, nah, let Derek <laughs> take over. We're, we're done here. We're done here. So uh, thanks again so much, guys. We got lots of games coming forward uh, in the next couple weeks. You all know what I'm excited about. Just five weeks away, ladies and gentlemen. Five. Final Fantasy Type Zero. Harvey's uh, Adventure 3. Five. Glorious. We have a pre release copy of that. You guys cannot make me mad because Bloodborne is coming. And every time oh, I see it, game. it looks better. It looks so good. All right. Thanks again, guys, for listening to the show. And we will see you all later. See ya. Bye. Party on, Wayne. Party on, Darth. Ding, ding, ding.